0: Hello and welcome to Randomer Nintendo 35 for Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. I am one of the three hosts you'll be hearing today. I am Jason. I don't know why I'm so like yeah about it, but uh, to my to my uh, virtual left is Angel. I'll balance that out with um mellow lower energy. All right, yeah, I am Angel. And to my virtual right is Kevin with an energy level of A O. Okay, I don't know. I don't know what AO translates to as energy level, but it sounded like you had some enthusiasm. And for everyone listening, if you're listening to Deus Goes Live, it is Nintendo Direct Partner Showcase Eve. So I have my mushroom and fireflower cookies out for Mario to come overnight through the chimney and deliver his his gifts. How do you guys prepare for a Nintendo Direct uh, Partner Showcase or any Nintendo Direct?
1: Mm, I guess I haven't since I stopped watching them
0: live. Ah, this one's available um, on demand, starring at 6 a.m. It is not ready. I didn't, I didn't even know
1: <laughs> there was one coming out. Mm hmm. Mm
0: hmm. It just announced it after, you know, the partner
1: showcase. This is literally the first I hear about it.
0: Only partner showcase, oh. so no big first party thing.
1: But yes, it is coming.
0: I think, um, yeah, I don't know.
1: I, I, I guess I prepared by just. Dip, uh, I might just remember. I might try to remind myself to text you or call you to ask if it happened already or when it's happening just to like as a reminder that way I could just, you know, watch it on YouTube at some point after. So that's about the little preparation that goes into it. That
0: counts. That counts. Yeah. Do you make similar preparations for other, the developer directs from Xbox the stay at plays from PlayStation? Do you text con- equivalent no, anything, I, in those spheres?
1: <laughs> there are, but I know it's, it's the same, if not less. Fair. I definitely don't watch the Xbox ones and, I don't really watch the PlayStation 1s unless, like, yeah, I just want to have something in the background that it happens to be on. Right, right. But, yeah. What about you, Kevin? Yeah, so pretty detached uh, overall from that stuff. Maybe Nintendo's a little. I mean, Nintendo's is the only one that I will, you know, go like, oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it at some point, you know,
0: as soon as I can. Right. I mean, in part because you are on a podcast that has Nintendo in its name. So I imagine that factors a smidge into that. Well, that, and they
1: have the (laughs) things I care about (laughs) the most overall.
0: Yeah, yeah. What about you, Kevin? Do you usually catch these things live, mentally prepare, or is it kind of just like you see it when you see it after the fact? Like, Oh, that game's coming out? Nope.
2: I don't do anything to prepare, and uh, I barely do any following up on it unless uh, Twitter is uh, crazy,
0: so. That is fair. That is fair. Well... Like I said, I put out these fictional cookies to a fictional person who comes to fictionally eat them like it's Christmas. So, you know, it sounds like I do the most work. Um, but how are you guys doing? Besides the direct coming up, what's new with you guys? So
1: overall good, but I just have to bring up just because um, it, I guess it starts to become more prominent lately, but a couple minutes ago, I sent Jason a message, it was basically like an ad that just came up for Duolingo on Instagram as I was just kind of like, you know, real scrolling through Reels or just watching Reels. And yeah, it was just super random, literally had nothing about it that really had to do with language unless you just want to, they're just continuing this, I guess, butt joke that they have going. And this came after basically... I've seen Duolingo ads before, but they're typically, you know, like flashy animations. Here, go download Duolingo. Learn language, blah, blah, blah. But then this year, um, after the Super Bowl, uh, or during the Super Bowl, randomly caught like a 15-second ad of, it's just the owl mascot. Just, they have a tiny little green owl facing away from the camera sitting down. Its butt inflates until it explodes into a smaller version of himself. And it just says no butts or something like that cause you know do your daily training, and so you know that was that seemed weird i I used Duolingo here and there, so like you know it caught my eye right away, but um, I don't necessarily recommend it if you're just trying to learn a language by only using that, it's definitely more of a supplemental thing, but I guess ten second duolingo review right there um, but yeah, but then after that, I guess um, I've just started getting more duolingo ads, and I don't know if a lot of these were from this year or randomly but yeah suddenly they all became very random some aggressive some just weird
0: one with a zelda you know, reference like the one by the way yeah,
1: yeah like like this one that had a zelda reference there's another one that said um japanese or break your knees if you'd like you know don't do your japanese daily session and then there was like another one where the bird basically was gonna kill someone because they weren't doing their spanish and of course the one I sent to Jason where it was basically the bird trying to get um I guess butt implants. A Brazilian butt one.
0: lift from Dr. Miami who's a well known plastic surgeon. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I mean it's the marketing is clearly working. I we're talking about it or I passing it along in, you know, during a podcast. And yeah, I it's whatever they're doing, I mean it's definitely I mean, it's definitely the thing I remember the most from the Super Bowl. I barely watched.
0: So, did you yeah. see the Michael Sarah commercial? I love the Michael Sarah commercial.
2: I watched it after you told
0: the me about Sarah it Yeah, a
1: couple days later. Yeah,
2: it was fun, yeah. yeah, that one was that one was funny to me because uh, I could have sworn that Michael Sarah or like his people put out a statement like a couple days before the Super Bowl saying, "Hey, we're not involved with this at all." And then that commercial then comes out with him actually starting it. I was like, oh, that's a clever marketing trick. Like, have the person say, no, I'm not doing anything about this at all. And then actually have them show up, you know, just as a as a gimmick. So,
0: Yeah. I mean, the, oh, the, the first really part of that saga was uh, they arranged for photos to be taken of him in a Rite Aid, writing, writing Michael's above the Sarah part of Sarah V's logo and crossing out the V on random bottles of the product at Rite Aid or something in New York. And then people are like, Is this for the Super Bowl? So then they put out a statement like he's not doing a Super Bowl ad, he's just writing his name on things. And then the ad came after that. Yeah. Yeah. Really smart yeah. of that. Yeah, yeah. And like I'm some of the innuendo in that ad, I'm kinda of, not innuendo, but some of the like I'm surprised they said some of the things they said in that commercial and were able to say it. But yeah, it was it was a good ad, I thought. But yes, yeah, so I feel like Duolingo is leaning all the way in on like meme marketing.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and even in the comments, like there were a lot of people. Um, actually, that was pretty fun just because the Duolingo marketing team was responding to them in very aggressive ways. Um, yeah. And it, it was just really, it, it gave me, you know, like Sonic vibes from back in the day. Yeah. Which just which spawned out of cranked up to a more, I guess it could be the word aggressive, but yeah, to a more like angry degree. It's like, um, uh, Wendy's
0: really kicked that all off. Like Wendy's Twitter account back in the day. Like this was that first and then Sonic. Yeah yeah
2: i'm starting to feel the burnout from that where i always see people um screenshotting uh, like tiktok comments or somewhere on the web where uh a brand will ask a question and then other brands will answer that mm-hmm. and it's and it's like a screenshot and the the comments are always like we're living in hell and to me i've always like shut up it's it's fine like it's not hurting anybody yeah of course it's it's a little parasocial, but, like, who cares? Yeah. But I am starting Shame. to actually hit my wit's end with it, too, where I'm like, uh, maybe this is getting is starting to get a little grating. Granted, it took me about an extra year to feel that, but it, I am starting
0: <laughs> to get there for sure. There's a part of it, which not to sound like I feel like I'm old in my mid-30s, which means Angel, you're old, and Kevin, you're almost old. But um, I, there is a part of it where I'm wondering if we're just slowly detaching from, like, the culture a little. Like, not with the brand specifically, but, like, with Duolingo where Angel's, like, just coming out of nowhere. Like, why are they doing this? I'm like, I don't know. Like, they, first it was the halftime show that was, like, basically the first Millennial Oldies concert, which I loved, by the way. But it was basically Millennial's Oldie concert. Like, no song Usher played was after, like, 2007. Um, like, literally, the, the finale was... 2001, I think, or 2003. Like, it was a 21-year-old song. And, like, there's a clip of, like, um, the Nickelodeon version of the halftime show where they had the guy that does Spongebob's voice doing live commentary at Spongebob. At one point, he was explaining to the kids, hey, kids, if you're wondering who this man on stage is, he's the guy whose music your mom and dad met to when they were dancing in the club. And I'm like, excuse me, your, your mom and dad met to? <laughs> it's like, there's definitely, like, an aging out that's happening, but I do wonder if some of the, like, brand energy on social media and stuff like duolingo's move is like catering to kind of more of younger than us and we're starting to get into that group where it's like oh this is weird like why is a brand doing this while the young folk are like oh my god it's so funny the duolingo owl threatened to murder me type of thing you know like maybe i'm getting too much credit to the marketers by saying maybe there's target a different demo but that i have had that thought cross my mind with multiple things of late so i wonder if it's just us getting old to some degree yeah.
1: Yeah, what I did like about Sonic's at least that really worked for me is the fact that, you know, it was like Sonic's Twitter, not so much like Sonic the Hedgehog like game account. Right. Where, you know, I mean he's already a fictional character, so it was basically just like role-playing as that character. Mm -hmm. Where something like when I see responses from like Starbucks or something, it's like, well, I I don't really have like a face of Starbucks, it's just The Mermaid Lady
0: on the logo. She's talking to you directly. I don't know, yeah. And yet it's never felt like that. No, I don't think that's what they're going for, now. The weird one to me is when brands hop on, like, music stuff. Like, some artist is, like, teasing a new album and, like, you know, Dunkin' Donuts is, like, Yas Queen or something. She's like, what? You're a donut. What are you doing? (laughs) Like, why do you care about this new song? You know what I mean? Like, that's the one where I'm kind of, like, that's where I feel the most out of touch. (laughs) Or, like, Hertz Rent-A-Car is so excited for, like, Act two of Renaissance from Beyonce. It's It's like, why does Hertz Rent a car care? Why are they in the comments? Like that that's the ones where it gets a little weird to me. But mm. yeah, but I get what you mean. Um How about you, Kevin? How have you been?
2: Uh, I've been alright. Um, uh, my works my like work season is about to start, so I'm dreading that a little bit. Mm. Um, but the good thing is that as our season starts, I immediately go on vacation, so
0: I'll so you'll be there. refreshed and ready when you get back, hopefully. Mm, maybe. <laughs> You're like, nope. <laughs> or you'll be super tired from having such a great time. We're partying it up around the world. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like this episode, it's been a while since we've had one of these. I feel like this episode is all video games. Um, kind of a throwback to how the Random we'll Town sure podcast used to be a little... Um, so we got two games to talk about and we got some industry stuff to talk about. Like what's going on on the Nintendo side of things, switch two, maybe Angel, you might win that bet after all. It might be coming next year, it looks like you won a dollar from me. Um and also like Xbox and PlayStation, a lot of interesting things. It going was on. always obvious. Well, I mean but anyway. Yeah. But um but before we get into that, we could we might as well kick the cookie cutter of the old show. Let's start with at least one of the things we're playing. I see Sonic Superstars is on here. I don't know who to I think that's you, Angel. Should I attribute that to you?
2: That is Kevin. Is yeah. No, so I thought, is it? my Wait. favorite series, Sonic. S- um, <laughs> uh huh. Go on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's he's always been good. I've I'm I'm a huge liar. I've always loved Sonic. Um, his games have never been mediocre at best.
0: Never. No. Never. The Sonic cycle is not real. It's it's propaganda. It's, yeah. It's exactly. Gold all the way through. Um, yeah. Pretty much. uh
2: yeah. So Sonic uh, Ultra Stars. Um, Ultra Stars. <laughs> that's yeah. No, that's I'm pretty sure that's the name yeah um yeah. okay i'm running out of things to say all right so <laughs> you went further than i thought
0: superstars.
1: you were Kevin, to be fair yeah was mm-hmm. um and superstars my brother and i started playing i think around the same time that we started playing mario wonder because we got them i don't know, I think like on the same day actually they
0: came out the same week so but... that makes
1: sense yeah, and it's been interesting playing both of them simultaneously, like kind of switching between them because they definitely have a very different feel to each other. I mean, obviously, like Sonic's is way more momentum based. Mario's is way more, I would say, fast reaction time, but I, that's not always precision, true, I with guess? Sonic.
0: Yeah, I'd just say like precision yeah. platforming. Yeah. And even then, like yeah, light precision because it's no Super Meat Boy or anything, but you know. Yeah.
1: And. Yeah, Sonic Superstars is is kind of a weird one. Like it just has very inconsistent level design, but not necessarily that it's just like it's bad because it's it's not it's inconsistent, therefore it's bad. Like that's not what I'm trying to say. It's just that things change yeah, like from level to level in almost like very dramatic ways and sometimes I feel it works out well and other times it just feels like damn, this is a really cool idea that just needed a little extra tweaking, or like, if it wasn't for this extra factor, um, yeah, it would have been super awesome. Does does it feel,
0: when you say that, does it feel like they had to rush it out for the holidays, or does it feel like it was just, like, a bad, rude idea that they didn't fully flush out? Does it feel like it's missing, or does it feel like it was just they went the wrong direction? It
1: just feels, like, not fully flushed out, or sometimes gimmicky, because sometimes they're really cool, other times, like, I mean, like two examples, like there's this level where you're like in cyberspace and you pass through these beams and then you're like suddenly a jellyfish and you're like kind of moving around through like an obstacle space And then in the next minute you pass through another gate and you turn into a cyber mouse and then you're like controlling yourself that way. And then you turn into like a voxel version of yourself. And then obviously the level has its own gimmicks. Or in another level, you could suddenly be jumping into a pod and then doing like a 2D shooter like gladius or something hmm. like a top down shooter mm-hmm. like they they definitely play with a lot of genres and there are some levels that especially the last level which I would say overall the game isn't that hard especially you know because if you're playing with other people as long as one person alive they can revive the other and so on and so forth but the problem with this one that is kind of the problem with all, all the modern Multiplayer 2D platformers that you know the new Super Mario Bros series for all the criticisms it gets did uh, did actually feel like I was playing with someone else because you know you could bump into each other you could pick each other up you could jump off of each other Mario Water got rid of all that yeah it's about so to say it like you're just playing <laughs> yeah yeah so now it's like you're basically just playing to a single your two people are playing a single player game together mm-hmm. and that's kind of what this one does as well except it does it at least, at least it's a little better than wondering that every character you know has their own ability and they can play off of each other sometimes like you know tails could grab the partner character and fly off with them and i think that actually might be the only example so not much better but otherwise yeah like the level, the games are. The like games. <laughs> the levels are, I would say, like a medium difficulty. Like, there are some tough obstacles sometimes, other times that you're just kind of bla- bla- yeah, blazing through it. But the last level, damn, not only was it just like super fun, but also super challenging. And it almost felt like it had some level of cohesion that like some of the other levels missed, even though they have really great themes sometimes. Like, I don't know. It, it's the really odd game like i would say that i liked it but i wouldn't say that i loved it but you know the 3d visuals the animations were all fun the bosses were also kind of all over the place some were ridiculously easy others were kind of tough and then you also have your chaos emerald powers that you know either instantly kill something or help you reach a higher platform or it's completely irrelevant half the time but you know a lot of ideas shoved into this 2d platformer that i don't know i feel like if they you know
0: gave it another go it could be a lot lot better or it would be really great it sounds like they didn't center around Uh, a single hook besides hey it's 2d sonic again like they have all these ideas and then like and and to be fair mario wonder had a bunch of ideas that they kind of yeah but they all feel like they're tied to each other yeah exactly yeah they all kind of got they were all like on a string connecting each other through the wonder Seed. this sounds like it just kind of feels
1: like it was developed by a bunch of different teams that didn't communicate with each other so like the so the flow of love from level to level like never feels quite right interesting like it's not that it feels bad it's yeah. it's just you get this like weird feeling throughout but otherwise a lot of nods to the sonic franchise and the characters lore like you could play as a rabbit version of sonic that for those that don't know, was the original concept for Sonic before he became a hedgehog. So they have that model in there. As well as you could play as a Lego Sonic that looks really hilarious and a Lego tails or a Lego Knuckles. You can make Eggman Lego. The final boss with Eggman is also super awesome. And really challenging, but it's kinda like, yeah, the rest of the game was not this challenging. So Sonic Superstars, you know, if you like your 2D Sonics, you enjoy it. If you don't it's not gonna probably, it's probably not gonna change your mind. If you had to
0: rank it against like Advance or Rush or any other like more modern generations, oh any man, other more I love, love the Russian.
1: I mean, Advance and Rush specifically, I feel like are my, my favorite versions of the 2D formula. Rush Both, was really good. I don't respect the way. Yeah. Yeah, Rush is awesome, and Advance just has a lot of nuance with just like the way the characters can on their abilities and just the level design in general, too. Like, those feel like true sequels that I feel don't get enough love the advanced series mm-hmm. i would agree hmm. they really should remake those because yeah like off, through all the i guess the renaissance that 2d sonic has had for a little while now not once do they ever mention the rush series and that one you're because you're basically playing off modern sonic in 2d yeah like that's where his design is from like you get the rail grinding and the home attack and other little things but it's still very much it's own 2D flavor. I don't know. It's that one's pretty- going to be
0: hard for them to re-release, because, unless they do it on, like, smartphones, because it was so vertical. Because it actually is one of the few games that really used the dual screens as one Advance. vertical. No, you said Rush. No, Advance. Oh, as I said Rush. Yeah, yeah. I could have say you said Rush. Oh. Yeah. Oh, maybe, but I meant Advance. Advance, they could redo. I mean, Advance, like, they could put it on Nintendo Switch Online. They could do a bundle, like, they did a Man both Battle, of them, or less, but... collection. There's so many ways they can bring that back. Because there's three of them, right? But
1: there's just so much less love for Advance, I feel, because I never see that. Yeah. We anymore. are in
0: the early 2000s nostalgia era, like I was saying about Usher. <laughs> so, I mean, there are a bunch of Game Boy Advance and early DS games that are getting compilations again. It's not out of the question. They brought back Generations and threw Shadow in there. It's not out of the question for them to maybe do Advance as a quick way to well, make some but money. But these are
1: Game Boy Advance exclusive though. All of those have been multi-platform.
0: Well... Maybe that's a thing. Maybe. I don't know. Then they could put them on Switch Online. I don't know. I'm just saying. Like, Capcom found a way with Battle They not I know. But they could. And they should. You're if you're it. out there, Sega.
1: But yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say about Sonic Superstar.
0: That's fair. Should we um It's kind of a bummer, it's not as good as some of the like others, but it sounds like you had at least some fun in there, in the mix.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. It was definitely we, we we had fun, you know. It was cool seeing Fang, the character come back. Like I said, the animations were really charming and they the model just looked really great. Um you know, yeah, we had a good time, but it definitely didn't leave us with like, damn, that was like amazing. I mean, also the the levels used to collect the chaos emeralds are really, um, uh, really quirky and fun. I really like them. You're basically swinging around like Tarzan through a bunch of little spheres, and you know, it's timing based, and the control switches back and forth between you and your teammates, so you kind of have to be ready for the for the path, the, the baton path. So yeah. It's there's a lot of potential. It's like if Sonic Lost World, it's like if that one had one more game to improve on everything mm-hmm. um, that needed improving, because you know it was already pretty great, but it just felt like it just needed something more. Right. Or even like Sonic Colors, like they just Sega has that problem, of like never
0: sticking to something to improve it. They just move on to they have a some new other wild idea. Hook they have with every single one or tried to.
1: Yeah. And, like, Nintendo, like, I mean, this says Mario, like, they feel like they're they're verging a lot, but they're only, like, just tweaking, like, the core formula, like, very slightly with each game. It's usually the visual aesthetic that makes it look different.
0: And actually, for some of them, I mean, the, the new Super Mario Bros. series had the same visual aesthetic for, like, 15 years. Yeah. Or yeah. 12 years or something.
1: Yeah. And
0: that's why we started to notice. Exactly. Because the... they, they did it for so long. Here's a question about Sonic before we move on. The physics... That was a hot topic before Superstars came out, where the physics are right, the physics are wrong. Where do you land on the physics of Sonic's inertia and movement, and did it feel good to you, or did it feel, like I've seen some people say, it feels sluggish? I thought it was fine when I demoed it at Comic-Con, but where do you land on it?
1: There's like There were like a couple instances, mainly during the final boss, where how slowly they get to max speed uh, was getting a little annoying, but it was, like, more in, like, the, it's like, oh, man, I didn't account for this, or, like, that's on me. Like, because I also can't really imagine the game without it. Like, I I feel like that's part of what makes a Sonic game a Sonic game. The fact that you have to actually account for how fast you're going in case you need to stop. And, you know, if you're able to keep up your momentum and dodge the obstacles or find great paths that don't stop you, like, you get to keep that that high speed. So it's almost like a... It makes the speed feel that much more rewarding because you know you have to earn that thing by getting through your momentum gaining. Mm -hmm. Makes sense, but yeah, so I like
2: it.
0: Is this the question? Yeah, uh,
1: Sonic the Hedgehog 4? They did do a Sonic the Hedgehog 4. Is this the true Sonic the Hedgehog 4? That's what you're saying. Oh, well, I thought the true Sonic the Hedgehog 4 was Sonic
2: Mania. Oh, I guess, yeah.
0: Yeah, that one was definitely had original had original levels
1: as well. Original plot and whatnot.
0: And great little game-made act.
1: But yeah, honestly... Oh! I should mention, actually... Um, yeah. Man, we gave... I almost... I almost stopped talking about this game without... Addressing the biggest problem that... Basically, it, basically this game got a pass because it's a Sonic game. <laughs> but I, I could see... <laughs> Everything I said it just now, you know, it's true. Okay. But I would argue that what I'm about to say, like, basically makes it or breaks it for... Will make it or break it. Will be the thing that makes it or breaks it. It does not catch a human in this oh one. Damn it. No, it's the freaking camera. Jesus Christ, it's camera. Oh, no. So many times. It's like... It feels like it's random who it follows. Basically, the the camera... Only locks onto one person, so whoever it decides is like the main character. That's
2: who it's gonna follow. In this so and age, else pretty much. All, in this and age, they, they couldn't make it. The Lego games back on PS2 yeah, would split the
0: yeah or scale it to just yeah the, with yeah the like
1: Wii U. yeah you could either scale it Smash Brothers style where you know it just like, kind of finds the center of where both of you are at and keeps it there, but. Or, you know, or give a split screen. This game needed to be in split screen. Because it's so easy to get separated. Like, and especially because, you know, because of the momentum gaining or the momentum gain that we just mentioned, Sonic has, like, a drop dash. So he could just, like, jump and then as soon as he lands, he could, like, tap the dash button and then he'll, like, basically immediately go at full speed. Everyone else has to, like, you know, do the revving, which, you know, could be a little slower. or in most cases, it can be faster if you were already standing still. But if you were walking, it takes a little while to, like, come to a complete stop and then do it. So basically, half the times, if someone's playing a Sonic, they're going to run ahead and you're going to go off screen. And then you have to press X to spawn again in the middle of Sonic. And half the time, whenever you spawn in, sometimes you automatically get hit. Or sometimes if you don't have rings, you just automatically die, which has happened a ton of times. And there are many times also where we thought, like, maybe it's just going to follow whoever's furthest ahead, you know. And, you know, that should work. But, nope, sometimes it follows the person that's behind. So if the person ahead, you know, takes the right way, but the person behind takes the, I guess it's a different route, it's going to cut off the person going the right way, and then they'll work to the other person that, you know, shouldn't have been the locked off camera i so yeah the cameras definitely killed us many times that's terrible. and i think we were just able to tolerate it but it, it definitely felt like why the hell was this made this way like it's basically it, it felt like it was designed as a single player game and then it was 100 percent done and then i'm like all right make it multiplayer and they're like what Like, none of these levels are designed for that. Like, yeah, (laughs) there's this is... Yeah, the the multiplayer aspect hurts the game, which is funny because that's kind of what the whole point of this game was like. Four-player Sonic. Oh my God, this would be horrible with three or four people.
0: Jeez. I say this with love to the Sonic franchise, Sonic team as a developer, Sega, the Sonic fan community, but only Sonic can mess up a camera in 2d when it's usually only 3d platformers that mess up their cameras only Sonic can find a way to mess it up in a flat plane that only Sonic like that's insane. Like remember when every game started going 3d and it's like, Oh, we can't figure out the camera, but in 2d it's always perfect. Sonic found a way to mess it up the other way. Crazy.
1: Yeah. To be fair. um, Mario wonder does do this as well. Sometimes like it's also not perfect. Don't you just bubble you back? Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, depending on like where you are on the screen, sometimes, you know, you're going, like I said, sometimes you're going the right way, mm-hmm. but your partner's the one that is locked onto, and then they go a different way and it, like, obscures your vision, then suddenly you die or you don't know where you are. Okay, yeah. Or you just get bubbled away from where you're supposed to go. So, you know, that unfortunately still hasn't been perfectly figured out, but at least because you're not running at high speeds half time. In Mario Wonder, it's almost not a big deal. Like, it's almost like... It's like moot,
0: yeah. Or close to moot. Yeah, Yeah. because
1: the camera typically moves really slow. um, Or it's not as fast as Sonic. Because, you know... Yeah. So, man, I can't believe I completely forgot that. (laughs) Well. (laughs) All right. I guess now I'm done.
0: Well, now here comes a question. Since we're already talking about what you're playing, do you want to dive into the other game you have listed here while you're at it?
1: guess i I mean yeah i guess i don't have a ton to say about it um but i definitely wanted to mention it because yeah recently came into a copy of hell diapers 2 and yeah i thought i'd just check it out i like literally nothing to lose and i played it with my brother and i remember it being
2: announced during a state of play or something yeah it was a state of play or
0: mm, but, Game Awards, I think, maybe? Oh, yeah. I actually don't mm-hmm. remember where it was announced, either. I do remember when it mm-hmm. was announced, thinking, I didn't know there was a Helldivers 1. But that's as far, as, <laughs> yep, as, right, far right. as my train of thought went, yeah.
1: Yeah, apparently that one is like a top-down shooter or something like that. Yeah, it's that. a 26 mm-hmm.
0: shooter. Okay, yeah.
1: Yeah, and this one is like a third-person shooter, or I guess first-person as well. But, essentially, I knew very little about this game. I just. Started hearing a ton of buzz about it, like everyone at work was playing it. Other friends that I knew were playing it. And yeah, so we played it. And basically, it's like Starship Troopers. That's sort of the closest thing I could think of that I haven't even seen. That's just what it reminds me of. But not very short. All you need to know is that you're just sent on missions to planets to basically survive through waves of giant insects or killer robots or... I don't know if there's anything else we actually, assume. sir. You're spreading democracy. Oh, oh, you're right. They do say that a lot. Um, yeah, and it's really, really fun. It's half the time it feels like I'm in an action movie. The music does a ton for that. Like it's just so like grand and yeah, pretty much like exactly what you would expect to hear in a movie. Like, at the height of an action scene when you're, like, running away from a horde of, like, 20 killer robots. And I do like that they have, like, this, uh I guess, system where you have a lot of abilities on cooldown, but you have to access them through a sequence of directional button presses. Like, so you like, you're basically inputting, like, little codes. So if I need more ammo, I could call for a resupply and press, like, up, down, up, down, left, right, or whatever the sequences so you could have these memorized and you know the better you are at them the more efficient you'll be because that's also how you revive a teammate if they die so if someone dies you have to input the code to car reinforcement which just spawns another one of your teammate and they fall down they get shot down as a bullet and they could even control the little bullet's trajectory to like hopefully kill something big on its way down which is you know also really
0: cool and Are those little codes kind of, like, is. super on-the-fly, like, quick-time events, almost? Like, remember when every game had a quick-time Are time those event? what? Are those little codes kind of, like, doing, like, super on-the-fly, like, quick-time events? Like, remember when every game had, like... Oh! Like- kind memory. of because like the action is still going behind you you just have to like okay so it doesn't slow down what's going on it's you choose to do it when you
1: won't. No. okay yeah yeah. so you have to be like running while like holding down l1 while with your other finger
0: like pressing the input if you're like running away from something gotcha well it's kind of a cool way to simulate so... it, that you have to like be messing with something while in a real kind of like how zombie is yeah, like so you're like, rummaging it... in the backpack and the game's still going yeah
1: yeah so like it highlights like even like you know because you could just be running without doing anything or just press a an easy button but you know, they wanted to add more stress and anxiety to your actions, so right. that's pretty cool. I don't know how much content there is in total in this game to either, you know, spread all the democracy or whatever causes the credits to roll. But I do know that it's basically a live service game because it does have an expansion or a, a pass, a season pass. It looks like it's just cosmetics, like taunts and little emotes and different armor. But, so is your yeah, is your squad know. made
0: up only of like other real players or is there like a single player mode or sounds like if it's uh, a live no. service. So with real, real people
1: or you're doing it by yourself? What was that? It's you're either doing a mission by yourself or with real oh, people. Okay,
0: so it could be solo. Okay. Interesting.
1: Yeah. But it'll obviously be a lot harder. But You, yeah.
0: you playing on no, uh 2. PS5 or PC? It's the first PlayStation game to launch simultaneously on both.
1: I play on PC. With a PlayStation controller, I can't do third-person shooters
0: with mouse and keyboard. It just feels weird. I can't do anything I with mouse and keyboard the... except type. <laughs> like, I can't use wow. it as a controller at all. So, I feel uh, like... Yeah.
1: Dove into Helldivers and it's fun.
0: Yeah, the game's blowing up right now. Like, it's being—it's a huge hit for Sony, it sounds like. Uh, there are more concurrent players than, like, every other PlayStation game on Steam combined. Ever had. Damn. Yeah. Pretty cool, yeah. I think it's outpacing Power World at the moment in Steam. Series. Yeah, and,
1: and the and the crossplay is like really handy because my brother has it on PS five and I have it on PC, and we can still play together.
0: Right, right. So, yeah. Nice. I'm kind of surprised, Kevin, that this sounds like a game that you would try. I'm surprised you haven't tried it,
2: or have you? Uh, no, I I definitely want to. Um, I just right now I just don't have the time, especially
0: with that's fair our season about to start. Right, totally um, Fair would be a bad time to invest in a new game. Yeah,
2: yeah, I'm still playing Persona 3 Reload. I'm, Yeah, I want to get into that Grand Blue Fantasy game that just came out too. So, mm-hmm. Just too little time for for so many things going on in my life.
0: Angel, do you have any games right on the horizon that you're running? Like he was saying about Grand Blue, or is there anything you're kind of chomping at a bit to jump into as your next game?
1: Hmm... I mean, I kind of want to play through Ghost Trick again, but I also did get the Remember game. You got another code? I what they, another code. You got another, another code. code. Oh, okay. Did you uh, ever play Trace play Memory, like
0: the original version of it on DS?
1: I bought it, but I never got around to playing it. Ah. Yeah, I played through another game first called Like Time Hollow. Oh, I was yeah, just going I remember through that Time phase Hollow. of just looking forward to for everything that was a graphic novel. You know, 999,
0: us for as reward,
1: and all that. Right.
0: Yeah, I feel like you're going to like another code. Um, Recollection, I think, is the fuller name. Another code, Recollection. Yeah,
1: um, I mean, I like that it has both games in it, so that's definitely very convenient. Yeah, and it's like a full remake.
0: I mean, they, it's it, it's basically a full remake. Like, everything, all the cutscenes are redone, everything's 3D, everything's modern. And, yeah. yeah. I
1: mean, and I still want to play more RPG. I just haven't even purchased it. I mean, obviously, Tears of the Kingdom, I feel like I should play at some point. And obviously Pikmin Four.
0: Jesus. And those are just <laughs> games that don't even own. Mario RPG is probably the next one on my list. I might try and play it, play that when I, I'm going on a trip in a few weeks, I might try and play that on the plane. But um find store at Mario RPG, I wasn't planning to get it at all. And then one of my friends was like, Oh, if you use like Rakuten or one of those websites, you can like it's basically a pyramid scheme, but he's like, "Yeah, I bought it through there," and he didn't tell me he want he got credit if he referred me. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, if you buy it through there and then get it through Macy's, it's like forty dollars off the game, and they get this other bonus." It's like we both did, and we're both like, "Ah, oh, cool, we got Mario RPG for like eleven dollars each, like a month after launch. This is awesome!" And then they don't pay you out till February, and when it came time to like pay back the credit through this website, uh, it went from like forty seven dollars back to nine ninety two. I'm not really sure where the other amount went. But that's when me and him realized we basically got scammed because we were told we were getting like $45 back and the game was like 15 bucks, And in reality, the game was still 50 bucks, and we got like 10 bucks back. So don't use Rakuten is my point. But do maybe get Mario RPG. I Wait, so you back. didn't save any money we at We saved all? $10. Okay. Which like – I mean it was already on sale on like Amazon for $10 off like without the hassle of all this. <laughs> so yeah, but it's just like – yeah, it could have been such a good deal. But but as a result, I now do own the game. You know, I wasn't planning to necessarily get, which is odd because you try to buy all the Mario RPGs. Um, so I maybe will report back soon and let you guys know what I think of it. Um, but yeah. So I guess that's it with what what's being played or been played. This feels so much like the old format of the podcast because like normally we'd go from what we're playing to like if you want to go way back to the old format, we'd go into like what's going on with Nintendo, and that would be like the name of the news segment. Um, I actually do kind of want to bring that back. Just this episode, Damn. but not as the name, not as a rhetorical device. I mean, like literally, what is going on right now with the game industry? Because it feels like everything we thought we knew about how the industry plays out and how it works and how like the patterns you're used to seeing is getting turned on its head. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about that, um, starting with the saner one, which is Nintendo. Uh, yeah, I do too. Yeah, I mean they normally. Well, you guys know Nintendo normally loves to follow a very specific pattern right like they have their preferred release weekends for the holiday shout out to the third weekend of november that's that weekend you know their preferred months and days that you can almost always guarantee there'll be a nintendo direct or an indie world showcase they're flow a big game and small game you can, if you learn that cadence you kind of when the heavy hand games will arrive whatever they may be um you know if you keep tabs on nintendo long enough and you kind of you can kind of know what and when to expect things um except now we're in the 7th going on 8th year of the switch which is a first for Nintendo and you know for any console there is and things are we're entering some uncharted territory like i know it's harder to figure out what Nintendo is doing and i do mean that in both good and bad ways so on the good side i'm going to use this opportunity to slip in some financial report stuff it's been a while since i talked about sales numbers don't attack me don't attack me but um you know they they put out their financials for the holiday season so october till end of december um, and after this many years, you know, seven going on eight, the console is still selling at a rate that's breaking records. Like Switch is now Japan's best selling console ever, period, and it's like in history. And the sales are slowing, but they're still positive enough that Nintendo actually raised their forecast for the rest but of the did it. It did wow. it. It did it. Yeah, and they're expecting more. Like they like ever, 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 ever for Japan. Next on the list is doing it for the world. So right now we're at 139 million Switches. That's what I thought it Oh, no, just Japan. We're at 139 nope. million Switches. They anticipate 141 million by March, end of March. March 31st, end of the fiscal year. Um, they're planning this without any price drop, right? So if they're at that number with no price drop, in a year or two, depending on how Nintendo plays it, you know, Switch could easily surpass PS2's lifetime sales, could quite possibly surpass DS to become the single best game best-selling game system of all time in the world which would be crazy but again like that's somewhat like the last couple of years you could kind of see switch on that trajectory initially maybe not but like that's kind of what we come to expect is the thing just keeps selling somehow and with those hardware numbers you know there's the install base growing there's still that switch bump of software um where you know a new entry in an old series somehow does bear on switch anywhere else Uh, and that's still true here Unlike in other Nintendo consoles where, you know, sales this late in the console's life would fall off a cliff. Looking at you, Wii, the Wii's later games did not perform well. But here at the Switch, you've got Mario Wonder, strongest launch quarter for any 2D Mario ever. Nearly 12 million copies in about 10 weeks. We were just talked about Mario RPG. It sold over 3 million copies in six weeks, possibly because people were scammed like me, possibly not. But um, it's already surpassed the lifetime sales of the original version on the Super Nintendo it's uh the fourth best selling Mario RPG ever, across any of the entries, and it did that in six weeks. You know, you got Mario Kart Eight, still an evergreen giant, three and a half million copies just over the holidays. So, like, still to this day, half of all Switch owners roughly own Mario Kart. Like that number, it just keeps growing in like in tandem with the Switch. Um, but then there are like some cracks in the facade, and this is where things are like maybe not quite as predictable with Nintendo. Uh, you know, there are cracks that when I was looking at the numbers to me point to arguably the market being ready for a newer switch, like a switch two sooner than later. Um, I think one of the biggest tells is that the long tail of newer games isn't matching that of older games. Like the drop-offs are happening faster and sooner. Uh the most notable being Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. This is something I first noticed actually last financial report, but the pattern continued into this holiday one. So the game had quite a front loaded performance it sold an insane 18 and a half million copies in the first quarter then it dropped down to just one million in the next quarter which you know a million is still a lot don't get me wrong but then during the holiday quarter one would you would think that sales would be back on the up and up because people are buying it as gifts it went down again and only sold 780,000 units and to be fair I should put that only in air quotes because like many developers would kill for sales of you know, 708000 in a quarter, or now the game is, like, $20 million in nine months. Like, people would—any game would love to have that. It's crazy good. It's the second best-selling Zelda ever. but and it's a big but, but—it but doesn't have the legs that other earlier Switch games did. Like, even in the same holiday season, Breath of the Wild, like, the the precursor to Tears of the Kingdom, still sold 460,000 units versus Tears selling 780. I have to imagine Nintendo thought that gap would be bigger this holiday. That Tears would do way more, at least double what Breath of the Wild did at the same time. But it, it it wasn't there. I mean, Pikmin Four is kind of a similar story. Weirdly, like Nintendo put a lot of marketing muscle behind it. It was awarded three point three million in sales. That's awesome. Best selling Pikmin game in the franchise's history. This past quarter, seven hundred twenty thousand units. That's a lot of gains. It's only forty thousand more than Super Mario Party sold in the same holiday. How did Super Mario Party, a game that Nintendo hasn't marketed for years, that had a sequel already come and go with superstars, how did that sell neck and neck with something so heavily pushed as Pikmin 4 this many years later? Like something's going on where the people that are buying these games in 2023 are buying them up front and then they just kind of fall off a cliff a little, relative speaking, relatively speaking. And it's not to say that like Pikmin or Zelda – aren't performing well. They are, but so many of Nintendo's like flagship releases are created, and we've seen it time and time again for the last seven years of Switch. So many are created with this idea of like long tail success. And the previous barometer for Switch, the 2023 releases just are not hitting those highs. Never mind the number of smaller releases that kind of went under the radar. Uh WarioWare. Do you guys remember in November we got a new WarioWare? I kind of forgot, but Move It came out in November. Uh get it together when it came out In 2021, by the end of 2021, by the end of that holiday season, it sold 1.2 million copies. Move it, granted, with a little less time under its belt, but um, it's somewhere under a million. Too low for Nintendo to report. Detective Pikachu, the remake, or the sequel, I guess, also MIA on the report. That came out already? Yeah, in October. Didn't make a dent. Didn't show up in the report. You know, new Pokemon Snap, The quarter came out, so, like, I think a million. Detective Pikachu, nowhere to be seen. So the the situation that we're kind of in now, or that Nintendo's kind of in, is this the there's a breaking of the pattern that we and I think Nintendo have come to expect with Switch games, which, you know, would feed into maybe the Switch 2 is coming, because I'll get people excited and buying things longer term. Um but then like I was saying at the top, Angel, I think you won the bet. Um originally so many sources were pointing to a 2024 release. Nintendo Insiders that, you know, like Kit and Crystal who worked there were like, yep, 2024. This would allow Nintendo to just segue right into a newer Switch, newer ground floor releases that can then become evergreens with long tails themselves. You know, put that out now, this year, just kind of never have a gap. Nope, not happening. On Friday, a bunch of sites uh, with a bunch of sources were saying that Nintendo has told third parties it's being delayed until Q1 2025. So I owe you a dollar, Angel, if that pans out. But um, it would mirror... How the original Switch? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, you were right, but I feel like you were, you kind of fell into being right, unless you knew they were going to delay it. I think you were arguing it was never coming this year. It sounds like it was until it wasn't type of thing. Um, I mean, either way, I'm right. You are right. You are right. But um, but yeah, and to be fair, like, you know, early Q1 2025 that worked well for the Switch in 2017. Everyone thought it'd come in 2016. It got delayed to 17. Had a really great launch lineup. Like, I don't know if it's a, if it's the hardware or the software that's causing this now. Um, little shift in the schedule. But it does mean Nintendo could have another really good year, like 2017, where it's just big game after big game after big game, giving Switch 2 all this momentum right out the gate. Um, and that'd be, that'd be fine. But on the flip side, like, it kind of leads to an interesting question. So what does that mean for us Nintendo fans in 2024? Like, the Ducks were in a row for nintendo to wind down switch sooner than later you know excluding princess peach showtime every 2024 first party release that we know of for switch is a port a remaster or a remake at this point even the direct we were talking about at the top of the show the um the new nintendo direct on wednesday not a normal nintendo direct it's a partner showcase it's 25 minutes it's a beefy one it's not labeled a mini and I mean the last time we got a beefy partner showcase that's 25 minutes we got Monster Hunter we got Mega Man Battle Network we got Mario and Rabbids uh, live alive no man's sky even Fire Emblem Warriors because technically that's Koei Techmo, so maybe we get some Nintendo adjacent stuff in this presentation but it's notable that the February direct is not going to have a first party games when traditionally it does and of what we do know the pattern of switch's lineup for 2024 is really like filler versus like triple a new releases which is fine you know it could mean cool stuff like who knows maybe we'll get like an or gx remaster in the same vein of how we're getting paper mario thousand year door remastered that'd be awesome but i think we're talking that sort of thing or things at the speed of like rumored ports of like h uh hd versions of wind waker and twilight princess opposed to like The next flagship Mario. Like, I don't think that's happening this year because, again, if you look at the sales, what Nintendo invests heaviest in for the past seven years that we can now, you know, see over and over and over until now is stuff that can become evergreen, stuff that has long legs, stuff that, like, you know, they can put out one year and continue to profit on for years to come. And this past year, yeah, they'll make some money off that stuff, but it dropped off. So, would they rather put out games with legs on a new platform where they could stretch those legs or at the tail end of Switch's life where yeah, they can debut strong, but they'll fizzle, fizzle out faster and not have as longer term of profitability off them. And that kind of conundrum of what do they do, I, as far as I can recall, I don't remember that being a thing. For, like, that's a new value proposition question for Nintendo. Like, usually their consoles die out so much at the end of their lives, again, like the Wii or the Wii, that they don't get to have this decision. Like, we could theoretically see a flagship game on switch this year maybe they do donkey kong tie-in with the theme park expansion i don't know but like would they do that yeah be
1: perfectly fine with the fish thinking around honestly i'm not really ready for it to leave
0: yeah that's what i was gonna ask you is where are you where are you guys stand on this because like they could they could keep milking it at full speed it doesn't look like they are but if they're delaying things are they gonna i mean considering how much less time i have to even
1: play video games i would appreciate that they just don't move away just yet
0: that's fair. And the so, other thing that I think everyone always forgets in these conversations, myself included, is like we're like, oh, what new games are going come out? It's all ports and remasters. There are um 1.2 billion games sold for the Switch. That's a lot of games for people to play that they probably have in their backlogs. They could go play their backlogs. I still need to play my RPG. I still have so many games I could beat. Like I necessarily, we shouldn't necessarily care when to switch 2, because there's still so much to do on Switch One, even without them putting out the flagship Donkey Kong this year. But in terms of their business side of things, it's an interesting spot to be speculating about for, like, the armchair Nintendo nerds like myself because from the business side, they haven't been quite in this position. They don't need – like, I don't know if you remember the back half of, like, the Wii U era. They did the classic NES. They did the classic Super Nintendo, and those were to fill an empty lineup because they needed to make money that year for the holidays. They needed to put something out. They might not need to do that in the same way with Switch, but, like, what does that look like? Like, what do they do? It's it's all new. So that that's a bit different, and it'll be interesting to see how that goes. It's kind of all very unpredictable, which has some – you know, unpredictability can be kind of fun. Like, we don't know what to expect for Nintendo. We're just kind of along for the ride, but it's unpredictable. So so you'd rather they, they hold off on Switch 2 as long as possible, Angel? Yeah, pretty much. Would you want them – would you want new stuff out this year? Or are you cool with just, like, stuff like another code recollection or, like – you know yeah. print. if
1: anything i appreciate the ports that's what i love about the switch that it's basically the all-in-one the closest i can get to yeah the all-in-one so does that I, mean it's
0: yeah does that mean you 100 percent need i know you've talked about why before but like is no backwards compatibility on switch to a deal breaker for you in that case yep interesting interesting and kevin you don't even play yep. your switch nearly yep. as much yep. anymore do you i do not so you probably are just like, whatever, they'll make whatever they make when they make it, and maybe I'll buy it, right? Yeah, weird. I mean,
2: uh, mainly because I'm a performance hog, so I like my uh-huh. games running as, as best as they can. <laughs> and, I, uh, I, yeah. I, you know, the Switch is lacking some power. No, um, that's
0: fair. I, I'm very interested to see, to, and another point about unpredictability is, like, this might be the first time since, what, the Super Nintendo? Where, at least on paper, it sounds like all they're doing is upgrading the specs of the original system. Like, you know, when they jumped to N64, it introduced, like, the analog stick and 3D movement and 3D games. And then GameCube, they tried to do all sorts. Well, I guess GameCube, N64, GameCube was similar. But, like, it's been a while since they've just done, like, a performance update. So to your to your desire, I wonder, like, is that all they're going to do? Are they going to come out with other gimmicks? Like, it, it's again, it's normally you can safely say Nintendo's going to do some weird new control input. But I don't, I don't think we're at that era of Nintendo anymore. It's going to be interesting if it really is just kind of catching up with, like, Steam Deck performance or that sort of thing at this point. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so that was one side of, like, the industry. I thought was kind of interesting, like, what's going on because, like, I don't know. Nintendo's at a weird crossroads they haven't been at before. Not a very bad crossroads, just a notably different crossroads. But if you want to talk real on predictability of the industry, um, how about the rest of the industry? Like, Nintendo in the grand scheme of things is in this nice little, like – I kind of describe it as, like, an Apple-style bubble where their only concern is how to tweak the symbiotic relationship between their hardware and their software in a way that, like, best maximizes their profit. Like, they're not looking to, like – they still know to them hardware and software, like, there's marriage they can't break. But everyone else seems to be moving rather quickly into the thought process of, I guess, to keep the analogy going, like, almost like the Android ecosystem of, like, how many things can we run our games on because we kind of want to make money on all the things because we kind of need to make that money. So like how how closely have either of you been following what's going on with Xbox and PlayStation the last let's say week, week and a half?
1: Oof. Only very, very lately. Okay. Like so lately that I wouldn't even be confident to give an opinion because I That's don't fair. I mean I can I I could catch you up. I can sum it up real
0: quick. Kevin, you been following it at all? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Wait, well where are you well actually shall I give I'll give a summary and then Kevin, I'm curious what you think of it. So real quick. Uh, within days of each other, like literally 24 hours apart, Xbox and PlayStation have both confirmed independently further plans to release more games on more platforms that aren't their own in a nutshell. Um, so for Xbox, that translates to now, quote-unquote, trialing for previously exclusive Xbox games as multi-platform releases. Um, and while Phil Spencer... I don't know. It's somewhat comical. Like he will not say – they do a video announcement about how they're going to do this and their plans to do this. But they won't say what the games are in the video announcement about the plans. But it sounds like it's going to be Hi-Fi Rush, which personally I'm excited for on Switch, um, along with Pentiment, Grounded, and Sea of Thieves. I bet you one or two of those show up in the Nintendo Direct on Wednesday. Um, but that's kind of the, the Sony side. I mean the PlayStation side and the Sony side. Is they just said we're going to try and do more and more on PC and try and do more and more – essentially synergize the two and do like a day and date thing kind of. So. Kevin, what do you make of it all since you are keeping up with it a little um cool i i've
2: i've <laughs> uh, like that's pretty much it um yeah i think it's you know the more the more game the more people are out there that are able to play some of these incredible games like hi-fi rush and and Pentiment. like that's great for everybody it's great for the industry it's great for gamers uh it's yeah bad for the console war uh Nerds yeah, boys, out there, the tribe, uh, the tribal, yeah, which is a uh, win in my book. So, yeah,
0: yeah, and I, I do think we should emphasize um, that last episode we touched on that there are a lot of reports and rumors that Xbox's moves could include Starfield and Indiana Jones and basically every Xbox game under the sun would now be multi-platform, and Xbox would cease to exist as like a plat. Like, there's all this very dramatic talk. In reality, as of right now, it does not include games of that caliber. Uh, but there was, to me, a lot of very careful wording around that in the video podcast I did. So, like, the first four games are for trying out the idea. They won't commit to any games being exclusive forever. Like, Phil Spencer believes exclusives will become less and less part of the gaming scene over the next decade, like, et cetera, et cetera. You know, never mind the point we raised last episode that Xbox has been saying for literally years that their strategy has been... um not their platform being a system, but their platform being an ecosystem, meaning whether it was Game Pass or now these ports, the idea was always for more games and more places. To your point, Kevin, so it's just kind of a matter of time that we get here. Um what this ultimately feels like to me in light of how it's now unfolding is Microsoft is taking the strategy that works for every other thing they make and just applying it to their gaming division. Um you know look at Windows. It's an OS you can use it on dedicated Microsoft hardware like a Surface, and it'll be all nice and optimized and whatnot. But you know what else you can do with Windows? You can boot up on a Dell, a Gateway, an ASUS, a, a handheld device like a Rocker or whatever. Like, you know, like a Steam. Like there's well, not Steam, like they use Linux, but you know what I mean. Like they have the same features, they have the same functionality. You know, in some cases they even take programs that were originally made for Windows, like the Office suite, for example, and they put it on competing OS like Mac OS because hey, that's more people in the Microsoft ecosystem. That's more people you can have information for that you can sell to. You can potentially, you know, uh, potentially convert to more Microsoft products. Like this doesn't seem that weird as a Microsoft move. It just seems a little different as a game industry move. Um, And to me, everything, like everything the Xbox team was talking about in that video podcast the other day just sounded like this. Like it just sounded like the Windows approach. Like, yes. Games will go multi-platform. Yes, Microsoft wants to meet you at whatever screen you're using. They said all this. But then they also have promises of new hardware for those who want, like, the purest Xbox experience. And that's literally what they do with Surface and Windows. So it's really – it's really no, – it's it's a new approach for gaming. Um, but it's not a new approach for Microsoft, like I was saying. I think the the only – I think it was interesting because in the video podcast, I think they only touched on part of the reason we're seeing this happen um, from a business perspective. Um. Like in the podcast, they're saying, you know, how like there are some games are so big now, so beyond any one hardware platform that they unto themselves are kind of their own platform. And that, uh, you know, kids will play however they can get hold of these games. They'll play them on whatever device they require, you know, like the Fortnites, the Minecraft, the Robloxes of the world. They're kind of referencing those without saying it. And I mean, there's that story, I think, like, what, two weeks ago now that Disney made a $1.5 billion investment into building their own multiverse within Fortnite. Like you don't have the reach to do that. You're not making $1.5 billion on someone building a world inside your game that's only on a single console. Like you just don't. Like you that, that reach goes beyond console walls. And that's kind of some of what Phil Spencer and Sarah Bond and the other guy, Matt Booty, that's his name? Great last name. Uh, but I think that's uh, I think that's somewhat what they're cu- touching on. But I think that's only one other reason. That's the reason they are saying. But I think one of the reasons Microsoft didn't say is what Sony actually said. Uh, so like I was saying before, for your reference, Angel, the day before the Xbox podcast thingy, Sony put out their financials and among comments about how, like, the PS5 is already in the later stage of its life, which that's wild to think about. But I guess pandemic time messes everything up. But yeah. Uh, but amongst that, they also talked about how hardware sales are declining faster than they anticipated. They won't have any. And I quote, new major existing franchise titles launching at all in fiscal year 2024. And their new president talked about how they want to be more open for these synergies that result in more multi-platform releases from first-party studios, specifically on PC, all being done in the most blunt way he could put to help operating profit to improve. So if you couple that also with something CNBC reported today, uh, PlayStations, I guess their operating margins are 6% when they were gunning for 20% in part due to lower sales of games anticipated like there's a picture forming here when you take all that into consideration, when you take into what Microsoft's saying and um, that picture is, I think, AAA games are just too big, too pricey, have too long of development times. It's way too much for a single platform. Like what's hitting PlayStation hard right now is that they poured a ton of money into games that aren't fully recouping their costs. They take so long to make that they're literally going to miss an entire fiscal year of releases because they don't have any because they're all taking so long. And there aren't, in and of themselves these games aren't enough to drive enough people to purchase the console they're on even though the games are objectively very very good it's just not enough like the amount like it's like it it they're they exceeded like the the um i don't know what i'm looking for here you know what i mean like they, they they're they buying up more than they can chew here and i think it what's saying microsoft and not so many words is the same thing like how many first party xbox games are actually making it out in a timely manner like how many times have xbox had to has microsoft had to promise to go improve the situation of first party releases and then nothing changes like how many people needed to buy xboxes or subscribe to game pass to justify the cost of starfield or buying out bethesda or buying out activate you know like maybe game pass subs could have offset some of that when the budget was first drawn up but at that point in time microsoft was gunning for a lot more growth than they saw i remember reading somewhere they were hoping for like growth in a 70 percent range and they ended up with something closer to like a 28 percent range at one point so like going multi-platform trying out different things it does sidestep this issue it maintains xbox's vision of like every screen can be an xbox and then sony doing like day and date stuff like hell divers that you're talking about um day and date ps5 and pc More concurrent players than any other PlayStation PC release, outpacing power. Like it's it's showing that there is an appetite. Gamers don't care what they're playing on, there is an appetite to just put these games in front of more people when possible, bring in extra money that way and not necessarily use them as a way to sell consoles, because that doesn't seem to matter as much. They can't recoup the cost fast enough to balance that. So it's gonna be really interesting to me to see what this means for the console market going forward, like whether Xbox is doing the full Windows style approach of like software. Plus optimized hardware but also you could play it on other hardware like that would kind of interesting. Is that going to also work for Sony because they're kind of dabbling out the PC stuff and if all that pans out does that mean like Nintendo really is the Apple of gaming and yet another way is they'll become you know the only company left seeing a strong benefit from this idea of like hardware and software go hand in hand and have to go hand in hand. They're the richest company in Japan right now, Nintendo, so it's clearly working for them. They don't have to worry about this other stuff. They don't, their game budgets don't seem as inflated as some of these other guys, but it's going to be really interesting to see. Like, just like it's going to be kind of interesting to see what's going on with Nintendo short-term with Switch versus Switch 2's timing. Like, I think long-term, this is a big shift for gaming if this pans out. Like we're we Gaming's been a certain way for, like, 25 years. It's industry precedent, the console wars and all that. And that's about fly out the window potentially. And that's gonna be really interesting to see like where it lands and what that turns into and whether we are gonna move past the idea of as you put, it, kind of like having the console wars and console warriors. So yeah. That's what I've been ruminating over for the last couple, I guess, week, week and a half as all this stuff has surfaced. It's it's really interesting to me. I'm I'm very curious. You know, stuff like E three dying and like the idea that you're not gonna have the two booths with like the PlayStation Xbox logo side by side is gonna be used in every photo of every like you know, console war article like that's going to, that will be a relic of the past potentially if this all pans out how it seems. So very, very, very curious where this is going to go, but that's my spiel. Wow. Well, yeah. Well, I'm glad you finally get to breathe. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so now that you know, know a little more about it, Andrew, you kind of have the opinion of like wherever you can play it, you want, I mean, you're already doing it. You're playing PlayStation games on your PC.
1: Yeah. Literally, it's more convenient. Yeah. There's, Yeah.
0: And Sony still got a DualShock sale from you, or a DualSense sale, because you're using a DualSense. So there you yeah. go. Yeah, sure. it's so interesting to me. Wins. Yeah, exactly. Which, again, to to Phil Spencer's credit, this is what Microsoft's been trying to preach for like five years, four years, ever since Xbox One kind of floundered and they reset. This has been their message. It just seems like the rest of the industry is realizing it now too. And I you if you want to really wonder about it, you could make a case of a lot of reason the layoffs are ha- hanging in the industry so hard right now and Embracer's, you know, buying up and then immediately shutting down so many studios is like, the industry is not built for this scale of game, this infrequent release at this high of a price with this much of a gamble if it has to work or not. So it's kind it's, it's to Yeah?
2: Never thought I'd live to see the day that uh, there's a company hated more than EA. But sure <laughs> enough, Embracer... Yeah, Embracer. I mean, Embrace,
0: they made such a dumb comment the other day where they were they were basically blaming the developers for their portfolios. They're like, yeah, we bought them, but, like, their games weren't good enough. It's like, well, why did you buy that? That's not their fault. You bought them. You chose them, and then you shut them down. Just don't buy them. Like, what? <laughs> they were doing fine before you came into it. Like, what are you talking about? So, yeah, it's Embracer's the worst. And were they the ones, Kevin, that also said something along the lines of, like, our number one goal is, like, growth for our shareholders versus like actually like releasing products. Yeah, that was them. Yeah, it's such a God, it's such a mess. And they own Lord of the Rings, which is weird. Oh really? Yeah, they bought the IP for Lord oh, wow. of the Rings. Yeah. In when they were I mean their name was very fitting for a few years. They were just embracing everything. They were anything. They buy it, no questions asked, and now now it's all falling apart. Right. Yeah. So Anyway that's all I had today. Was there any other topics we wanted to discuss? <laughs> <laughs> I say after, let me catch my breath, that's a lot. But anything else you guys want to bring up today? Uh, no, not that I could think of. Yeah,
2: no, just a very uneventful two weeks for me.
0: That's They happen. They happen. I feel like if the industry wasn't turning inside out, I wouldn't have had much this, this period either. So, I feel yeah. Well, I but guess yeah. that'll do it? I guess so. We'll keep it a little short today. We'll let people spend time watching Nintendo Direct instead of listening to us. So. To make sure you can catch our impressions of that Nintendo Direct in the future, uh, you could follow us on all the podcasting apps. We are on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, YouTube. We can find us at Random Nintendo. That's also our Twitter handle at Random um, And individually, if you want a real time thought, well, my slightly. Close to real time thoughts. Plus, whenever these two happen to watch the direct, <laughs> um, I'm JSR7 on Twitter and Threads. Kevin is KV and Gomi on Twitter, and Angel is World of weros on Instagram, where he does art representing his thoughts. So uh, he might not actually do it. You might not do it. Are you? A, you wouldn't draw, I think, for Nintendo Direct, would you?
1: Mm, probably not, unless uh, it was something rhythm heaven related.
0: Well, it won't be this one unless they outsourced it to an indie or something. Well, no. yeah, so. So you won't see his thoughts anywhere is I guess the real takeaway, but um, yeah, that just about does it. uh heads up for those expecting us every two weeks. There's a lot of travel. Kevin alluded to it at the top. I'm gonna to be on two, uh so we're not sure when that next episode will hit, but as long as you follow us on all those channels, you will ensure you don't miss it whenever it comes. um so I guess that's about it. I'm gonna give final word to Kevin as usual.
2: Uh, oh.